So our scripture reading for this morning can actually be found in the second chapter of Mark's gospel. And you'll notice on the screen a piece of artwork. We wanted to do a little bit something different. It's on your bulletin as well during Lent. So you won't see the words to the scripture on the screen, but they are printed in your bulletin. But we thought it might be a good idea for you to be able to sort of focus on a piece of art. It's actually a practice called Visio Divina, which means divine. It's like a seeing of the divine. Um, So you can focus on that as you listen to the scripture, or if you prefer, you can read along. This painting is actually, was painted between um, 1580 and 1590 by a German artist, and it's about Jesus um, and the disciples plucking grain on the Sabbath. One Sabbath, he was going through the cornfields, And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And he entered again the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger, and he was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Human beings are not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for mankind, for human beings. So that begs us to ask the question, what is the Sabbath and why is it so important? Before we even understand what Jesus and his disciples were revealing about what was going on in the life of Israel at the time. Pastor Maggie in the children's moment already let us know that this idea of the Sabbath goes all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis where God created the earth, the moon, the stars, the sun, the universe, every living thing within six days and on the seventh day, God rested. And then she pointed us to Exodus with the gift of 
the Ten Commandments where Moses goes up the Mount of Sinai and he receives these commandments and comes back down to give them to the people. And one of the Ten Commandments is to practice the Sabbath and to make that day holy. And the reason that Exodus gives us for why we should do this is to go right back to Genesis, that God created the earth, moon, stars, sun, universe, everything in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested, and so therefore we should rest. But that's not the only place that the Ten Commandments are revealed in Scripture. If you go ahead to another book in the very beginning of the Old Testament, it's called Deuteronomy. It's in the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Old Testament. You will find another instance of going over the Ten Commandments. And in that version of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is still mentioned. We're supposed to keep it and make it holy. But the reason for the Sabbath is a little bit different. I would say maybe in addition to what is revealed in Exodus, we also have another reason to practice the Sabbath. Deuteronomy has God revealing to Moses and to the people that they are supposed to practice the Sabbath because it is God who went into Egypt where they were enslaved, where they were oppressed and brought them out of Egypt and brought them into freedom, into the wilderness so that they could be God's people, and then eventually end up in a promised land. And so the Sabbath is tied to remembering that it was God who rescued them from that time and place where they were weeping and crying and hoping for God to rescue them. If you take both of those scriptures and you put them together, it seems as though what God is saying is that we need to practice Sabbath so that we remember that our lives are a gift. We would not be here without God creating the world and everything in it, including us. And we would not be here if God had not rescued us from Egypt and sin and slavery. The practice of Sabbath is remembering who we are and whose we are. And if you follow that along to modern practices of Judaism, especially in the Sabbath, you will find that it is still to this day repeating those reasons, repeating those reasons as to why they, faithful Jews, are supposed to practice a real and true Sabbath. In fact, you may remember that after the Israelites were freed from Egypt, they were starving, they were hungry, they were grumbling. Some of them even wanted to go back to Egypt instead of staying out in freedom because at least back there they had food. They would have been enslaved immediately, but at least they would have food. And so God provided manna for them. You may remember this, that there was this bread-like substance that was sort of all over the ground, manna. If you go back and, and read that again and you wonder what does manna translate into, it literally translates into what is it? Manna, what is it? Why is there bread on the ground? And yet this is what fed the Israelites throughout most of those 40 years in the wilderness. And you may remember that during this time in the wilderness, they could collect manna every day for six days a week, but they were not supposed to do it on the Sabbath. And so God would provide a double share, a double portion of this manna, bread on the ground 
the day before the Sabbath, and they were able to take extra so that they were really allowed to enjoy and practice real Sabbath. If you were to go to a a practicing uh, Jewish family that was celebrating the Sabbath, one of the things you might see are two loaves, I only have one, of challah bread. Two loaves of bread like this braided together on the dining room table. Fancy dining room uh, tablecloth, bread like this, but two pieces, reminding, reminding the people that on the day before the Sabbath, God provided a double portion of bread. So it's right there in the ritual that they are supposed to remember that God provided for them. And they're able to eat through this bread and, and to remember God's goodness and mercy and love and faithfulness. They remember that God is faithful and true and their lives are a gift. In fact, I've read a couple of places before that there are some Jewish theologians who believe that the practice of Sabbath is instrumental into their being able to survive to this day. One person says it this way, the most important ingredient of Jewish survival over time is the practice of Sabbath. It is no exaggeration to say that the Jew has survived 2,000 years of persecution and humiliation largely because he had the Sabbath. It was one factor that not only made him survive, but also kept him alive, both spiritually and morally. So you see, even through some of the most tragic moments of history, this theologian believes it was the Sabbath of remembering who they are and whose they are that kept them alive and kept them tied to God in the midst of real tragedy. If you were to go back and look at Judaism today, you might find that there are different factions of Jews today. There are conservatives, there are reform Jews, and there are, of course, um, uh, many others, conservative Jews, etc. But back in classical Judaism, there are only two types of Jews. There are Shomer Shabbat Jews. Those are those who practice the Sabbath. And then there are those who violate the Sabbath. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. There are those who practice the Sabbath and those who do not. And that, I think, helps us understand what's going on at the very beginning of the chapter that we are reading today, chapter 2, verse 23 of Mark's gospel. You see, Jesus and his disciples are out walking through a grain field, and they're hungry, right? The disciples are, are hungry. Maybe their stomachs are growling, and they're right there in a grain field, and so they take a couple of pieces of, of grain from the top of the plant there, and they sort of open it up in their hands, and they start to eat the grain on the Sabbath. They're working for their food. And some Pharisees are nearby, and they see this happening, and they say Sabbath violators. Jesus and his disciples are Sabbath violators. They are not practicing the Sabbath the way it's supposed to be practiced, Right? So Jesus hears this and he responds with a story about David from the book of 1 Samuel. You see, David was on the run for his life. 
King Saul, this is before David was king, King Saul wanted him dead. He was furious with David. David is on the run with some of his soldiers and his friends. They are, they are hungry, they're starving, they don't know where else to turn, and they end up showing up at this place of worship. And there is no food in this place of worship in Israel except for the bread of presence. Fresh baked bread that was only supposed to be for God. The only people that could eat it were the priests. But it was set aside for God. It was in some of the holiest places of this place of worship. And it was the priest, not David. It was the priest who had to make a decision. I've got hungry men. What do I feed them? I only have this bread. And so this priest decides that even though this bread is supposed to be set aside for God, these people are hungry and in need. I'm going to take this bread and give it to them. The priest doesn't follow the law, but instead helps the people in need. And Jesus uses this scripture. He sort of interprets it in a way to say that my disciples were hungry and they are with the son of man. They are with the son of God and they're doing holy work. And so therefore it's okay to break the law if there's great human need and and there's hunger and there's some circumstance that makes sense. So Jesus is, in a way, interpreting a way to break the law in order to fulfill the spirit of the law, overcoming the letter of the law to follow the way that God would want us to respond. And then Jesus says it this way. Sabbath is not made, we are not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath is made for mankind. So think about this. If we were made for the Sabbath and Sabbath was the most important thing, then we would have to follow every single rule. We were made for the Sabbath. We were supposed to fulfill the rule so that it made sense. But that doesn't seem to be why God wants us to practice Sabbath, does it? God put it in the Ten Commandments. God gave it to the people of Israel so that it would help them, that it would form them, that it would make them God's people. You know, Paul in Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I want to say today, if Sabbath is for us, if Sabbath is made for humankind, why is it? And why is it important? We struggle with the practice of Sabbath. What should we do? What can't we do? When Julie and I were in seminary, we had some friends who decided that they would never go out to eat on Sunday because it was forcing someone else to work on the Lord's day. That's not how I practice Sabbath, but that's the way they do. But, you know, it kind of got to the point of us thinking, what does it really mean? Is it about following the rules or is it about something deeper? Is it about following the rules or is it about something deeper? If Sabbath is made for us, why is it made for us and what does it mean? Remember we said in the very beginning that the Sabbath was made so that we would remember God created us. God created everything in six days and rested on the seventh day. And that we would remember that God rescued us from slavery and sustained us when we needed him the most. We are God's people and our lives are a gift. 
Sabbath is a way to remember that God is faithful and true, that God loves us and gives us everything that we need. And if we don't rest, if we don't cease, if we don't stop everything that is going on, we may miss it. I don't know about you, but in my daily living, I am fairly busy. There are a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things that I have to keep juggling in the air, and I am not very good at juggling them. I often will drop something very important. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not carefully looking at what I'm supposed to be doing, I will be responding to anything and everything else that is going on in the world or in the places where I am. And if I get to the end of my week and I look back and I I say, did I accomplish the things that were essential for me? Did I accomplish the things that only I could do? Sometimes my answer is no, because I was doing things that other people wanted me to do. I was getting distracted and doing other things. I was wasting time scrolling. I was wasting time when I could have been doing something more important. The only time that I actually see this is when I stop, I cease, I reflect, and I notice these things. During the week, I'm not paying attention to this. I don't know if you're like me. I am just sort of, in a way, going along through the motions of the week and trying to do my best job at everything that comes my way. But it's when I actually stop and look at things that I realize I didn't do what I probably should have done. I had a ministry coach years ago talk to me about this very thing, and he was using an example from the world of business really related to an assembly line. If you were to go into some sort of factory that's building something and you're walking along the the assembly line, you'll see this station that leads to this station that leads to this station, et cetera, but you can't really see the whole picture just walking around the floor. So what they call it is balcony time. You go up on the balcony, you go on a catwalk above the assembly line and there you can look down and see what's truly happening and you can see where the stoppages or the slowdowns are. And he told me, if I don't practice this in my life, if I don't go to 30,000 feet and look down at my calendar and my day and what I'm supposed to be doing, I will be behind. I won't be able to, as a minister, as a husband, as a father, be able to know where I am now and where I want to be and if I'm being effective in doing that. In a way, Sabbath is a gift where we can stop and sort of go up on the balcony and look at our lives and say, have I lived faithfully for God this week? Have I done what God expected of me? And if not, what am I going to do this following week? It is a matter of perspective. Taking that rest, really giving yourself a break, the spirit of the law, not the form or letter of the law. Giving yourself time to rest and be in God and to think about your life and the impact you are making, as well as, as well as what opportunities you have coming up. But it's not just about perspective, is it? Because if it was only about perspective, it's still a lot of control of our lives and our hands. And I think there's something deeper to this, isn't there? God wants us to remember that our lives are a gift. When we stop for 24 hours straight or at least some 
total of 24 hours throughout our week, when we stop and we cease and we practice Sabbath and we rest in God and we realize that God is for us, that God is faithful and loving and true for us, that God continues to sustain us, maybe, maybe then we can start living more centered in God to know and trust that our lives, our lives are in good hands and that we need to do better. We need to do better for God and for others because of what God expects from us, not just what we want for our lives. Sometimes people look at a, a day of rest as a me day, right? Have you ever heard of that TV show where they, they said the mantra, treat yourself or treat yourself? This is not what a day of rest is for. It's not to treat yourself. It's not a me day. It's a God day. It's the Lord's day. It's not a chance to rest and do what you want to do and then work for someone else six days a week. It's an opportunity to put all the other things aside and really reflect on who God is, what God has done for you, and what that means for you. It's not about how much you don't do something and how little work you do. It's about how you allow your life to be transformed and formed by God so that you can be ready to make the right decisions like the priest with David, like Jesus and his disciples. Because the Pharisees missed it. They thought it was all about the rules, but it wasn't. God want us, wants us to remember what the Sabbath is for. It's formational. It is for us. It is not something we have to do as a duty, but a gift so that we can be more like God wants us to be. I think about how often we practice this in communion because we remember in communion how Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, that proves God's love for us. You may remember that from communion liturgy. And after that, we receive the bread and the cup and we go out into the world as God's transformed people. The purpose of communion is to connect us with God's grace, but it's also to remind us of everything God has done and continues to do for us so that we exit into the world as transformed people. It makes me think about the ending of the movie um, saving Private Ryan. You may remember this World War II movie. At the very end of the movie, we see Private Ryan in his older version, years and years and years after he fought in Normandy and beyond in France in World War II. He's kneeling before one white cross in a sea of white crosses at a cemetery there in Normandy, Allied troops who died, some of them for him. In fact, he's kneeling before the white cross that marks the grave of Captain Miller, who in the film was portrayed by Tom Hanks, who ended up giving his life so that Private Ryan could go home to his family. His brothers had died already, and other people gave their life so that he could make it home. He's sitting there almost in tears at this cross, hoping that his life measured up to the cost of Captain Miller and his compatriots. 
Private Ryan's wife comes up to him at the end and he looks at her and he says, tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. If you connect the dots, he's hoping, he's hoping that his life and the way he's lived it measured up to those who gave everything for it. And that makes me think about what Sabbath can be about. To cease, to stop the busyness of the world and to really center ourselves in what God has done for us. And if our lives are in harmony with that, if, if our lives are making a difference, if we, are, if we are reflecting that into the world or not, and if we're not, it's, Sabbath is not an opportunity to beat ourselves up, but to make a difference, to make a change. I don't know about you, but I would rather leave here Sunday after Sunday improving, being more Christ-like, and allowing these moments in worship to transform me instead of being another thing to take and check off in my week. Sabbath is not just about what you don't do on your Sabbath. For the Jews, it was Friday night through Saturday evening. For us, it can be any time that we cease and we pause and we reflect. God has done all these things for us. What will we do for God? Thanks be to God. Amen.